you want to be a farmer, I sort of picture it a bit like swimming in the Murray River or the Lachlan River. You can be swimming upstream and you can be swimming for five minutes and then you look back at the bank and there's your beach towel, you haven't moved anywhere. So you're constantly fighting against interest and, and, and a lot of uh, expenses within the business. So the aim of the game is to swim quicker than the current's pulling you back. Hello and welcome to Propagate, the podcast that's devoted to young farmers and fishers. In this episode, we catch up with Jared and Emma Amory, who were gracious enough to meet with me on their farm just outside of Forbes. They have a really refreshing approach to farming, and it was a pleasure to hear some of their thoughts on a lot of topics and some pretty heavy-duty ones. Jared and Emma are quite the team, which is lucky for them because they do have a large family, although just how many kids they have is a matter of contention. Well, I've got six kids and Emma's got, got seven. seven. <laughs> the eldest is 35, comes down to 12, 10, 8, 6, 3 and 1. I'm 37. Oh, 37. Oh, yeah, you are 37. Oh, where did those years go? I know I look that attractive, <laughs> Emma. <laughs> yeah, we've got six, six children. There's five girls and one little boy, and they're all enjoying living on the farm here. How did you wind up here? We got married in January 05 and we both had a dream. We really wanted to be able to own our own farms and raise our children on a farm. So um, there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears to get to where we are today, but we're actually living our dream. We're living our dream. And that started the day I was 35 years old was the day we moved in here two years ago. It come with a fair debt package, but who cares about that? <laughs> Talk me through that because you guys are in debt for something that you love and believe in. What was the process to make the decision to come here? Well, we have had other pieces of land that we've farmed that haven't had a house on them. And so we lived in town in Grenfell and we didn't actually have the opportunity to live on the farm with kids. So we were on the lookout for a place that we would like to farm that had a house big enough so we could actually raise them on the farm and in this area as well because this is where um, my parents lived not far up the road. That's where I grew up and we were leasing their property and we own a farm next door to them as well and then we're leasing another property nearby here. So this came up as the perfect place, two-storey house with enough room for us and our six children. Um, Amazing opportunity. So that was bit over two years ago. And the other challenge I reckon in agriculture or in trying to buy land is if you buy 100 acres with a house, you're competing against a lot of people that are just wanting somewhere to live. Mm. But when you buy a bigger farm, this property that we're on now is about 1,400 acres, the house virtually is for free. So... um, it just is a pretty big step to be able to get over the line to get a farm big enough with a house that you're not actually paying for the house. So it was a bit of a stretch. Being two years into this property, how do you look at the drought? I look at the drought in different ways, I guess. And one of the ways I look at the drought is I do not want to let this period of time 
I do not want this dry period. I do not want to let this opportunity pass without learning something because it is usually in the most difficult periods in our lifetime that we learn the most. I've learned a lot this drought. A lot this drought that's going to help Emma and I when the next drought occurs. We're going to be more armed. We're going to have different selling strategies. We're going to have different livestock trading program. We've got, we got things that we're going to do into the future. We can't do change a whole lot of things right now, but um, into the future, I'm pretty optimistic that we're going to be able to run a tighter ship to be able to run a raw, more robust, resilient business into the future. That's a really positive attitude towards it. I mean, one of the tough things about droughts is that I think people fall into a mindset that that's now reality. Whereas you guys are thinking, okay, well, this is this is the current period. It's hard to see your neighbours and other people in a state of hopelessness that they that they feel like it's probably not going to end because it doesn't look like it's going to, but it will. You can help other people and you can try to support them and encourage them as well. Sometimes that can be taken well, sometimes it can't be taken well. Like people don't care what you know until they know how much you care. And I think we fall into this trap of putting on a mask at times to pretend we're okay because we think that's what other people want to hear and see. And I think it takes very broad shoulders of someone to put the hand up and say, I need a hand. Not to not to blow our own trumpet or anything, but back 12 months ago, Emma and I had a we invited a lot of people from around our community, around our farm, to come just to a simple barbecue and bonfire at our house because I believe that communities in rural areas are probably more disconnected than ever before. Farms have got bigger, there's less people. We plan to do that again in the next month. Is just get, just send an invite out to all the, all the neighbours, all the farmers around and just say, oh, you come around to our place, we're going to have a barbecue and just to chill out for a while because I think it's really helpful just to talk to people, just to talk to other people that are in the same boat, same situation. And, and, and just a real simple one that Emma and I have learnt in this drought, and this might sound ridiculous, but don't get so worked up and wound up that you don't have a rest. You've got to have a bit of a holiday. You've got to have some time off because you're kidding yourself if you're thinking staying at home is going to fix the problems. Life's too short to get so bitter and twisted about the drought that we can't do absolutely anything about uh, last week we came back from, we went away for a month, took a caravan and took the kids for a holiday. We went up to outback Queensland, around to the Northern Territory, to Ayers Rock and um, back through South Australia and came home. And we've been wanting to do that and we decided that we would do it now with the kids so they could enjoy it as well. And there was nothing that we could actually do here really. So we thought, well, we'll have a holiday. And it was fantastic. So some time away from the farm helped them keep perspective on the farm. They have another secret weapon, faith, or more specifically, spiritual belief, which plays an important part in their everyday life. I was really curious about how faith fits in with the tricky nature of farming. 
The neighbour came and said to me the other day, Jared, you mustn't be praying hard enough. The rains haven't arrived yet. <laughs> like, well, it's not my fault. They're going to come. <laughs> not sure when, though. It's all cool. God's got a sense of humour, too. I honestly believe that God's got a brilliant plan for our lives. I just think he's got the most awesome plan. And I think that... We sometimes think in difficult times that God's jumped ship. <laughs> We're like, ah, oh, what's going on? But often, you know, with your kids or with whoever it might be, sometimes you've got to go through a bit of a challenging spell, a bit of a character-building time, and yet it's surprising. You just continue to grow. And I honestly don't think God never leaves us. He's always with us, and that's really exciting to know. And uh, we're expecting really, really good things for the future, actually. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I know that things are going to turn around and um, this farm's going to be really profitable again. And we're going to be able to use some of those proceeds from the farm, not just for ourselves, but to help other people as well that might be in, in need. So we're pretty excited about that. What do you guys enjoy about farming? Oh, Emma loves it. The sound of no other people. <laughs> the fresh air. Oh, I actually enjoy being um, like this is the workplace as well. So Jared's in for lunch or like we see each other more. The kids really enjoy it. They'll go up to the forest and build a cubby. The animals. It's just it's nice to not be surrounded by people and other buildings and other things. That's actually a good point that... You guys are very much working together. How do you deal with that? Uh, how do we deal with it or how does Emma deal with me? <laughs> <laughs> I think we work pretty well together as a team. Yeah. I reckon we do too. If Jared wants a bit of time off, he can just stay down the paddock a bit longer. Or... <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. we got a great working relationship and Emma does a lot of, probably more of the bookwork side of things. Mm. I do more of the paddock type stuff, I guess, and, and a lot like planning and things like that as well. I love the farm. I just absolutely love it. I love I love seeing fresh growing crops. Mm. I love sowing. Probably is one of my favourite time of years when you put the seed in the ground, you see it emerge, and you're fighting, you're fighting for that plant too. You're fighting for it. You're keeping the mice out, the ruse off. You're keeping the insects off. You're trying to do everything you can to see that, little wee plant kick a goal and um, it's just really really exciting it's great to have healthy sheep too uh, fat sheep it just just does something to you it just makes you happy and excited to see healthy crops and healthy livestock the bonus of those is you generally get a healthy bank account hopefully hasn't quite been that way the last couple of years but those that it will turn around and um there's some of the things I love about agriculture, just getting up early in the morning and heading out the door. It's really cool. Now I have to change gears then. What frustrates you about it? One of the biggest frustrations in agriculture is cash flow. A lot of your expenses are a long way in advance of your returning an income. That's one of the downfalls, the major downfall in agriculture, I believe. Whereas when I worked in retail for a short time in the supermarket, 
you could sell bread for 30 days. Every day of the week you'd sell bread and you wouldn't pay for the first loaf you sold until 30 days after. So you pretty much got 30 days of income before you outlay a cent. That's just smart business. And that's one thing that is challenging in agriculture, but that doesn't mean to say you can't structure it that way. And so you might be able to structure it that you pay for your fertilizer at harvest time and try and structure payments so that you pay for those things when you receive the money. It doesn't always work, but um, cash flow is one of the biggest challenges. What are your goals for the farm? Well, the goal was at the start to try and keep the bank manager from taking over the joint. <laughs> but no, no, we're going, we're going good. And I actually believe that our farm will expand. But I'd like to see within the next couple of years have some kind of an off-farm business, probably related to agriculture still, but... Um, some off-farm income, like just just some some business. I'm not exactly sure what it is yet. Don't know if it's, you know, owning a shop or whether it's owning an online business or I'm not exactly sure, but um, we definitely want to grow our business, but it might not necessarily be in more, much more land. I'm not sure about that. We'd like to get an off-farm business before we buy too much more land. You mentioned your bank manager. Is he happy and how do you try to keep him happy? Jeez, Emma's a good cook. <laughs> Scones and jam and cream. <laughs> I think the bank manager's been really good, actually. I think it's really important to keep your bank manager up to speed with where you're at and where yeah. things are at. Because the thing I think that annoys them the most is when someone dumps a, a surprise on them. We're out of money. We need it now. Well, where did it go? Well, done this, done that, done the other. So um, I just think it's pretty important to keep the old bank manager in the loop. Yeah, and to have a good communicating relationship, which we do, I think. You've got a couple of kids here. Do you have big plans for them to be farming? We have big plans for them to do whatever they want to do. If they want to farm, they could. Hmm. They're certainly not going to be given the farm on a dinner plate. I've seen it so many times that the more you give your kids, often the less they have because they haven't had to learn from the ground up. And that doesn't mean to say our kids are going to get nothing. Of course they will, but they've got to go and earn their keep, understand how to work for a boss, understand a lot of skills and strategies before they um, think about getting our farm. Maybe they could work here for a bit. I don't know. We haven't thought that far ahead. They're pretty tiny little runts at the moment, but... <laughs> As to the future, they got a lot to learn, just as Emma and I had a lot to learn too. What advice would you have for other people that were hoping to get into farming? Maybe with the way that land prices are going, you might need to be doing some, getting into a few things like leasing and share farming to try and build up money to be able to get in, but try and get in before it goes too high, I'm not sure. If you're going to buy land, that is. There are lots of ways to farm other than just owning your own land. But, but if you're wanting to build up equity to buy a farm and you love agriculture, you can still do agricultural stuff, mm. whether it's hay contracting, harvesting, whether it's leasing land, sharecropping land, whether it's, like how many chooks do they fit on an acre of land? Thousands of them. You just gotta be, I guess, thinking outside the square a bit. So if I was um, advising someone, how do you get into agriculture? 
just got to think outside the square a bit and talk to people that have started with next to nothing. Because if you, sure, there's farmers around with great, great management practices and great skills. They're really good to learn. And there's a lot of farmers that have been maybe given or handed down their farm. And I am definitely not jealous of those farmers. That's fantastic. But if you want to start out from scratch, there's a lot of people that have never had to do that. And if you can find some someone that's started out with next to nothing, they're the people to pick their brain. I mean, that's you guys. But how have you guys thought out of the square? When you're starting out, you've got to work harder with your hands than with your head. And then the older you get, you can work harder with your heads than your hands. So if you're working hard with your hands to get going, you've got to increase your value. It might be going from apprentice to being someone that's fully qualified and you've just increased your, your value. Or it could be you're um, working on a farm and then you decide, geez, I reckon I could be a shearer and earn double the money. And then you decide, no, I'm not liking shearing anymore. I'm going to be a, a sheep scanning contractor. And so then you're not liking that anymore or you've, you've, you're wanting to add value to yourself again and you might go and buy two harvesters. So you've got to be continually adding, adding value to yourself so that you can accumulate more and more money in order for you to get into a farm. But I am a hugely strong believer that you need to be investing in appreciative assets, assets that are rising. I believe that you should be driving an old ute for a long time. Forget the shiny tractors. If you're trying to start out, do as much as you can with spending as little as you can on capital infrastructure. That's pretty solid advice for anyone. Have a little faith, take a little break, and don't be afraid of an old car. And avoid surprising your bank manager. It's true what Jared said. Emma is a very good cook. Thanks for listening to this episode of Propagate, which is brought to you by the value adders from the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. If you'd like to add some value for us, we would greatly appreciate a review on your favourite podcast app, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. My name's Corey Haig. Thanks for listening.